I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. everybody to Lit and Libations. We've had a little bit of a break while we've made our way through this new tome, Um, but happy to be here and discussing it. So hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Um, So we will be discussing parts one and two of Ruth Ozeki's The Book of Form and Emptiness today, and we should be able to get through the rest of it next episode, right? I think we should just, we can probably just do this in two. Um, so before we get going, a couple of quick announcements. So the next book we will be discussing after uh, Ruth Ozeki's The Book of Form and Emptiness is Sula by Toni Morrison. Um, so this it's a much shorter read, great story, heartfelt story about um, two girls growing up and their friendship um, and kind of like the east coast area i won't go too much more into it but it's it's really good uh i reread it i haven't read it since college but for some reason this one grabbed at me and was like this is what to do next so we'll see what comes of it but that will be the next book so go pick up a copy of sula by tony morrison um at your local bookstore and that will be our next discussion um you have i've been admiring your glass (laughs) as we've been chatting on facetime before we got started recording so please uh why don't you get us started with with our libations with for this, my libation this so i am drinking a lindemann's uh, raspberry lambic beer um it's delicious it is very fruity very raspberry um it doesn't honestly even like read like a beer to me on my palate yeah. lambics are awesome they're amazing and i'm drinking it out of my favorite glass that i use all the time that is actually brian's that his dad gave him it's like a really, it's a very tall, tall glass that is very narrow at the bottom and then spurts out and has beautiful label on it. And it it's from, I think, Germany. I have no idea. There's nothing no, what, on it that's The label English. looks German. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. It just looks delicious. And it is delicious. What are you drinking? Really pretty. Uh, I made a dirty, uh, dirty chai. Oh, delicious. So I didn't have, yeah, I didn't do alcohol today we're, we're actually recording in the middle of the day yeah which is unusual for us um but i just wasn't in the mood for alcohol and that's okay uh yes. so i made a dirty chai and it's really good this sounds um, like what it had how, how did you um and look at my pretty cup oh that's cute yeah so my one of my uh students that i would teach she also worked at starbucks and every time she'd come to ride she had like a new starbucks like cup yeah. And they were, she always had the newest ones and they were so cute. And this one, it's like kind of beveled and then it's just this pretty rose pink color. And I saw it the other day and grabbed it. So I put it in that. Um, really how cute. did I make my dirty chai? Yeah. Like, is it like a, um, mix that the, you used mix. or did you yeah, use your so own I, spices? How did you do it? No, I was late. I used the organ chai mix, you know, that comes in the box, but it's yeah. really good. Yeah. And then whole milk, um, and then two shots of espresso um, and then I do have this, these little, like, like a little collagen powder that oh, I put nice. in there. I try and, I try and add it to stuff when I can, cause it's supposed to be good for you. Have you noticed <laughs> a difference? I've heard it's good for joints. I've heard it's really good for I just, joints. I just barely started using it. I'm trying to be like, I'm trying to not overreact about aging. Okay. But also be mindful of it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. You want to be proactive preventative yeah but not freaking out like you still want to be graceful yeah Yeah, so i'm trying i'm trying to walk that line okay challenging line but i'm trying to walk (laughs) it so i'm like okay i'm gonna start doing some things not go crazy with stuff but like yeah so that was one of the things was start having like ingesting collagen i've been like way better about multivitamins and like you know stretching and taking care of my like i went and got this massage yesterday and it was good in that it helped me, but it was not relaxing. It was just so like, you know, working out all those deep tissue knots and yeah. stretching. And I'm just like, I kind of want another one that is just relaxing. now. <laughs> like, 
you have to have a balance. You gotta have one that kind of leaves yeah. you bruised a little bit at the end with how much that, it's working that's out your how knots. I felt. Yeah, yeah. Like but at then, the end of the day, I was like, oh my god, a like, relaxing. I felt, like, this was hard. Yeah, but then a relaxing Swedish massage to relax from the unrelaxing massage would also that sounds necessary. That just sounds like self care. I think you should just go get it done. Just Man, go do I it. I feel like our healthcare system is ridiculous as it is, but like. Mm. This is low, low, low on the totem pole of what should be done to our healthcare system. But I swear, like massage therapy and things like like should just be, it should just be covered. It <laughs> like, should. Everyone should have health insurance and healthcare, and that should be part of the healthcare. Like, I agree. It, it's just it's crazy that those are seen as like indulgences. Like it's an indulgence to like make your body feel better. You know what I mean? Right. Like. Right. Or like, or like the fact that like dental or like I work, you know, like going to the optometrist is not generally covered by health insurance. You have Mm -hmm. to get an additional package Mm -hmm. to cover it. And it's like, well, I need to see that's a health issue. It's also a public health issue. We want people to be able to see. And, and like legitimately, like if you have like dental issues, like it can like, it can affect the rest of you. Like, yeah. so it's like, I know, I know. Good Lord. I know. And then all the other craziness going on in the world. But luckily Ugh. we have books that we can, we can escape into for a little bit to give us some clarity and things to think about. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not, craziness. you know, I'm not sure this book was so much of an escape for me, honestly. This book, I know we're only discussing parts one and two, I'm liking this book, but I will say it has not helped my anxiety. Yeah, this book was... So Sadie and I started to talk about our initial impressions of this book. Because you know what? I didn't notice that we did this. But I think I do this kind of intentionally. Is I don't like reach out to you and talk about the book outside of the podcast. Like we try and save it all, I think, for the podcast. Yeah. But we were talking just briefly. And I was like, no, 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 let's save this. But yeah, this book was like... I. I it's like a wave like it would be funny I'd be sitting there reading it in bed sometimes and I would like make a noise and it would be maybe like an expression of like you know I don't like this or something and Kendrick's like what I'm like oh I don't know if I like this book and then I don't know 20 minutes later I'm like oh well I really like this so it was just this kind of constant like wave of like nope yep nope like I don't know it was it's hard to and it's and then I okay off the bat the one thing that I really wish would have been taken out yeah is the extra part about the about the buddhist monk and her book about tidiness and her Mm -hmm. her story because i feel like it doesn't do anything to the book and it almost like okay this part was kind of weird to me i feel like this author and it kind of makes sense like i did a just a brief little like who is she and what you know so she's a filmmaker she's a buddhist monk I know, I think this is her, this isn't her, this is her second novel, I think, since being ordained. Um, but it's like, she puts herself in this book in, like that yeah. character that's in the library, that's very obviously her. It's a self-insert like, for sure. And I didn't like that. And not to say that that can't work. I've yet to find one that I like. Well, no, 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 that's not true. Salman Rushdie's done it in a little bit of a way in yeah. his last book Quixote. and I and but it's not as like I feel like she just hits you really hard in the face with a lot of things in this book like it's almost too it's too on the nose that does that make sense yes I think like the stuff about the zen monk in particular is like that but I also think like the um the anxiety and like this book is clearly so much about like mental health issues and it's about mental health issues of a mother and the son and 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 yeah and like our society like consumerism yeah yeah addiction like coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. um all of that and I think it was just like exhausting because I, I don't know. I mean, I think, like, I guess it's good. I I think, I don't think it's a bad thing that this book is bringing attention to all of that and maybe sometimes kind of poking at people who are like this, like, 
they're so exhausted by life that they just go for any kind of relief that they can and a lot of it's from material objects um but it was just obnoxious to me and maybe this makes me the bad person but it was almost like pathetic like I had a really hard time with um Annabelle the mom yeah in this book and I feel for her and like I do have a lot of empathy for her and I feel bad for her and I feel bad for the way that like her grief um so in case you haven't read this book Annabelle is the mother that she has a son named Benny and her husband Kenji died and this is about them kind of after in the aftermath kind of dealing with that grief sort of um and the different things that come up with them and for her she just really dives into like all of her kind of manic behaviors come to a head and she starts eating and, and behaving in really unhealthy ways and she gains a lot of weight and she, she hoards hoards um she has difficulties She's with very, working like, loses all self-awareness yeah and and also like the way that she treats her son who is coming into being a teenager she kind of can't help but infantilize him mm-hmm. and still kind of treats him like a kid and a lot of it's out of desperation and he definitely is like not very sweet to her by any stretch of the imagination but it just it kept going and it was like I was put in her head to the point where it was just kind of exhausting like I felt bad for her but I'm like I we no we don't need to go to the thrift shop we don't need to do that like it was just kind of like <laughs> yeah and it's it so and it, I think it's hard, hard. it's like there's this book is this is a long book it is like this is there is a lot in this but yeah I feel like it doesn't need to be be, like I I think that's part of what it was is it's a little exhausting but and there's so much there's so much story in here and I do like how you know she brings in some interesting characters but like despite how lengthy it is I feel like I don't ever get a well-rounded character where I can really relate to them yeah in any way even though there's so much in here so it's like like with Annabelle so okay yeah so Annabelle and her husband Kenji dies and it's kind of this traumatic crazy accident he comes home he's a musician a jazz musician and he comes home late one night from playing a gig and it's the night and they've had a fight you know they've left with having had a fight mm-hmm. and it's because of him smoking pot which again that's the other thing is it's like she's almost trying to like dissuade you from ignorant notions when it comes to like mental health and things but then talks about marijuana like it's like it's a hard drug like he well, was- or, or like yeah like at first I was like it, it, uh, yeah it there's just some things where I'm like okay but that's kind of a I don't know anyway yeah I don't know how to verbalize what I'm saying but that part kind of bugged me so she so he comes home and he like falls asleep passes out in the alley behind their house because he's high and and gets run over by a chicken truck which also I'm like really a chicken truck's driving down an alley in some I mean the town is unnamed but it makes me think of like I mean it's obviously city yeah. they use public transportation and like just how it's talked about it, it it makes me think of like a you know a Philadelphia a boss like something yeah a city yeah and I'm like so a chicken truck's driving down the uh, residential alley like oh but anyway runs over him because he's covered in like crows and look they thought he was trapped I don't know so he gets he dies and it's this very traumatic thing and then afterwards Benny her son starts to hear voices and by voice it how it it doesn't she doesn't describe it like like schizophrenia is described yeah she just like and so she's not saying he's schizophrenic but I mean of course he's like diagnosed like that when they take him to go see people but it's like he like everything every object and this is the thing I like this I like this concept of energy in all things like yeah you know and in that everything has its like own voice and I think the idea of trying to look at 
at objects as their own beings is an interesting concept and it helps to you know that idea of consumerism where it's like things are just so easily disposed of and thrown away but also so easily accumulated because we think that makes us feel better like i think there's some interesting things in this book to think about but it's like it gets lost in all this mess of extra stuff does that make sense yeah and i also feel like it's it's almost like Maybe it's maybe it's just because Benny has to describe what's happening to him to so many different people, and it, in a in a way, it just feels like okay, we no, we get that he's not hearing voices, voices in the sense of a conversation. Mm-hmm. We get that you've already explained that to us five times, but he's like explaining it to a new character, so we have to like go through it again, and yeah, and like it kind of comes to. Um, different points with each person he tells like he's institutionalized for a little bit and then he like decides i'm just gonna lie and pretend that i don't hear them anymore and kind of deals with it that way and then he encounters um he starts skipping school because the kids are very cruel to him after he was institutionalized and he comes up with this kind of like elaborate um way of ditching school which is totally what a kid would do i totally hacked onto my parents email and sent (gasps) you did no i did i'm sorry mom but i did (laughs) but you know what was funny is i didn't do it to get out of school i did it to get out of seminary school so like i had early morning seminary and and i can't imagine you skipping school no you know what i did is i would get onto my parents email I would send an email to the seminary school that I had for early morning, and then I would still go to the school in the early morning. I would just go to the library and study for actual classes instead of going to seminary See, school. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, when you told me that, I'm like, there's no way you wouldn't do, like, you're like me. Like, I did plenty of things that I should not have done, but, like, I wanted to do school. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I wouldn't have skipped school, really. Like, I remember every now and then getting in those modes where it's like, yeah, I'm just not going to go to this next class. And I'm like, I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> yeah, I only skipped church school. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but yeah, but, like he's he's this but, normal kid. And I think it goes to great lengths to paint him as one. And it's like, you don't have to go to great lengths. Like, we know he's a normal good kid. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the thing. Like, the points it was almost trying to point out, I feel like it almost sometimes had the opposite effect a little bit. Or, like, or like it's like... It just didn't quite make sense. Like, the fact that, like, the the voices are a little confusing because there's this episode that he has at school where voices are telling him to, the scissors are telling him to stab the teacher. Right. Um, And and then he stabs his leg instead to keep himself from stabbing the teacher. So it's like, okay, well, clearly there's some sort of, like, control there or, like, like, I see where the like schizoaffective uh, disorder could be seen there. But then there's this other part where it's more that the objects are just like giving off a memory and that he yeah. just kind of feels the memory. And I, I actually really liked this part in the book where he was speaking to this homeless man. Um, what It's Slav... Yeah, he goes by the bottle man. man. Yeah, the bottle man. And I did Um, like these characters. I liked Aleph and I liked the bottle man. Like, I thought, that's the thing. There's some parts about this that I really, really liked. Yeah, and I really loved the part where he, you know, he's explaining what's kind of been happening to him, to these Mm -hmm. other people. and, And prior to actually having this personal relationship with these, um, kind of like, I mean, frankly, they're treated as undesirable by, like, the world, you know, yeah. and he's been told to stay away from them his whole life when he was on public transit, not them specifically, but these types of people. And, um, but he always felt nervous to be around them because he felt like they could tell what was happening to him. Like somehow they knew and, um, like they were crazy too, and they knew what was going on. And so he is explaining to, um, this man, what is happening to him? And the man is like, oh, that makes sense. That's a gift. Like, you're like a poet, like a prophet. This is normal. And then he kind of tells him, it's like, you need to try to write it down. You need to try to explain, you know, like what it is that you're experiencing. And he tells this story of um, the, like the end of a chair 
like the leg of a chair and it was heart-wrenching but I really loved that because I thought like him trying to explain what that was was really interesting I don't know I felt like that just really worked for me it's chapter um it's right before it's on page 280 um, yeah, because the chapter are kind of numbered, but it's weird. Too. That's the other thing. There's all these different. So like Benny narrates a little bit, and yeah. then the main narrator is the book, which is a voice like, that he hears, but it's like yeah. not existent yet. Yeah, it's the, weird. That's the thing. Like so, maybe I'm, and this is I go through this book, and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not like open my mind to things more. Right. Because I'm like, this is just weird. And it feels weird to just be weird. Yeah. And that kind of weird bugs me because like it seems forced. I agree. And yeah, there are aspects, there are aspects of the book that I like. Like I like their back and forth a little bit. Yeah. Because they, they seem to be kind of going back and forth between the book talking which, when the book talks, the book is just telling the whole story and kind of speaks for everybody. But then mm-hmm. when it's Benny, he's, like, responding to what the book just said. And then telling maybe his version of it. And it's, like, I like I liked some of that. But sometimes I found, you know what this book felt like to me at points? Um, it kind of felt like Hollywood movies that are about Hollywood. <laughs> Yeah, like it's too. It's trying so hard to be meta. Yeah, or like trying to um, trying really hard to be meta, or trying really hard to uh, explain why it's important. And I feel like people who are reading a lot of books don't need to be explained to why books are helpful or nice or important. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yes, like the book, the book's voice the narrator, the book, it came off a lot as like condescending to the reader. Yeah. Like I'm like, you know, like it'd say, you know, say stuff like people don't want to hear these things. People don't want to read dark things. People don't want to think about like, I think the there were some really, really powerful things that are kind of danced around in this book, how Mm -hmm. we look at and treat people who have, schizophrenia but not just that but like any sort of men- like that's huge like I'm I think about that a lot I read this great 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 book and I can't even think of the title now but it was this journalist wrote it and it was about well she wrote one book and it was about she had this virus and it presented with similar symptoms of schizophrenia mm-hmm. and once the medical doctors decided that they couldn't diagnose her they couldn't help her it had to be schizophrenia or some mental illness, which our brain is still a physical organ in our body. But for some reason, we treat people who have mental illness completely different than we treat people who have a, quote, physical illness. Right. They she was she was kind of ostracized, like she wasn't given as much care. She was treated totally different. Well, she did have some virus and this one doctor recognized signs. They did a spinal tap. They figured out what it was and they cured her. But and so she wrote this book about it. And so then that inspired her to write this book about there was this study done, I think it was in the 60s or 70s, where this psychologist and his wife, they had these students and they went and basically got themselves committed. They pretended to have symptoms of schizophrenia or different other um, mental illnesses. And it was like, will they even be able to tell if we're real or not? And then it was, how do we get out Mm. of these institutions? And so I do think it's really awful how we think about mental illness when it comes to ourselves as well as society at large. And I think this book does a really good point of like humanizing and reminding us of like, I don't know, just all of our humanity in this and mental illness does not say something about that person. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like it's it's really good at destigmatizing some of the stuff. Yes, like we don't look badly on people who have cancer. No. Even though sometimes people have cancer because, say, they smoke cigarettes. Right. You know what I mean? But we're never like, you know, but with people have mental illness a lot of times, whether it's 
postpartum depression, whether it's PTSD, whether it's schizophrenia, whether it's bipolar, whatever it is, there seems to be a degree of like fault that we play. You know what I mean? We like look. And I think this book really brings that up. And I think it's helpful that it's in a child because you're instantly more inclined to feel sympathetic towards a child, I think. And I think he's a he's a sympathetic character. You know, even though sometimes he does things that are frustrating, it's like you recognize, oh, I've done that. I've tried to get out of school before, you know, or like it's hard when kids make fun of you. He's lost a parent like she there's so many good things that it brings up, but then it just gets muddled. I feel like in all this other stuff in there. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, but, but it's also weird because it doesn't necessarily feel like much happened like yeah there's yeah exactly like this could this could and then like like we're talking about 300 round pages out the characters worth. that well yeah yeah and she doesn't yeah. really round out the characters that well like she'll start to like she gives a little bit of background on annabelle so you kind of start to understand okay this is what her life was like but i but not enough does that make sense like not enough yeah. to really exp- and i feel like you know I th- i think the concept of like why does she start to hoard and it's just this idea of things, you know, Benny hears things talking. She hoards things as a way to like make herself feel better, to feel connected to other people and to her dead husband. And like, but it, I don't know. There's just, she also hoards information too. Like that's a, mm-hmm. that's a one thing that I thought was interesting about her job in this book is that she's. So she's called, like, a scissor lady for a really long time because her job is to work for this, like, um, agency that catalogs or tracks news stories. It's like what people certain- did before they had Google alerts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, exactly. And then, you know, she keeps having to do this, like, with the news and tracking, like, everything that's being written on certain subjects and cataloging them. And, and so she just kind of gets... Um, she it's just overwhelming. Gets, she gets mentally bogged down by mm-hmm. the world's information, but she's like never leaves the apartment hardly at all. Like she's still just yeah. in her apartment and she's physically surrounded by newspaper clippings and by recycling that needs to be taken out and then by objects that she hoards and like trying to find room for all these different things and it's like of course the objects start talking to benny he's surrounded by a million and a half of them and it's i find like this is one thing i did like is i thought that the way he reacted and responded to his mother's mental illness because he's not the only one with a mental illness she has a mental illness Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um it was so realistic in the sense that his room is like spotless. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he takes great care in his room to keep it. Well, one of the first clean. fights that is talked about in the book between them is like she it makes this effort to clean things up and takes a bag of trash and she doesn't and she's going to do one big trip. So she puts it in Benny's room for some reason, because that's yeah. where there is room. Yeah. And then forgets to or gets distracted and doesn't end up taking it out. And he sees it when he gets home and he's like, don't like, don't it basically encroach on my space. Like, yeah, my space is clean. And like, I don't want your trash in my room. And yeah. like, it's in that concept, too, of like sharing, like living with someone like, I don't know. It made me think about how hard it can be as people when we cohabitate, how much of our own issues can infringe on other people mm-hmm. unintentionally. Like she didn't do that on purpose. That's her, that's her things that she's dealing with encroaching on his and it's his stuff encroaching on hers. And that's, that's such a thing. And how much, if we all had more empathy for not just like the people we cohabitate with, but societally mm-hmm. on like, Hey, we are all dealing with shit and that idea and so I and that's the thing like it just there's so many good things in it but I feel like it's just it's interesting that it kind of correlates with what she's dealing with in the book like there's just too much like it's just right which also like sorry Ruth Ozeki like I hope you don't listen to this but I find it just ironic all all of the most prominent authors listen to our podcast you know what maybe all 30 of our (laughs) listeners (laughs) are these authors we don't know um but i will say like i do 
find it kind of ironic, though, that someone who is like a Zen monk, yeah, is writing something so superfluous in a way. Like yeah, there's it's just, just more, it, yeah. too much, just too much. Like it, like the whole book. Like again, like we we are only openly discussing because of the size of the book. Um, parts one and two, which, mind you, if you have not read the book yet, is a whopping 311 pages. That is about the size of the entire last book that we read. You know? Yeah. Like, no, it's... I... The book, to me, is just bombastic. Like, yeah. it just... It's... And, like... And I didn't like... I already talked about how I don't like how she inserts herself in, as a character. But then, like all the way down to the description which matches her her author's picture i'm like yeah okay but then the, the the zen buddhist monk that she puts in the story as a character is like this cross between her and what's her name that that had that tv show that was popular for a while that was all about marie, tidying marie up. kondo yeah it's like i'm like is this who we're talking about marie kondo like because that's what it seems like it's what it feels you know, like. all the way down to, and and that to me felt just a little much. I like, agree. I, and and I, also it didn't go anywhere. Like we have you haven't finished yeah. the book. I finished the book. Sorry to spoil it. It goes nowhere. The Zen Buddhist monk in the story goes nowhere. <laughs> well, I'm just going to put it out there people. I kept hoping yeah. it would go somewhere. It goes nowhere. Yeah, I I mean it's fine if the mm. Like, I think it's fine if she wanted to show a paragraph or two of her picking up some health self-help book like this. Because the thing is, is I think that this character, I feel like Annabelle really bugged me, but I also felt like I have known Annabelle in my life. Like, I know mm-hmm. an Annabelle or two. And um, Annabelle, I think, gets very distracted, but also fixated on certain things whether that be objects or ideas sometimes and i think that she got fixated on this book this book like spoke to her and she got fixated on it and then that day she reads after she read like two chapters you know she cleans the whole apartment and she goes out and she actually does the grocery shopping like her son has been telling her to do for how many days in a row right yeah and i think that that's realistic but i don't think she needed to actually include the two chapters from the book that she supposedly read um in the book for us to read like yeah we could have known she'd read something like that without having to read it ourselves well yeah i think uh, and we we keep bringing it up and then we i I get distracted by something else about the book but like you've made the point like about how we don't need to necessarily be told the things that we're being told and like that's what frustrates me Uh, there's some okay i'm gonna probably piss some of our 30 listeners off but like (laughs) I don't enjoy like Steven Spielberg films because I feel Steven Spielberg does this. I feel like he hits me in. Oh my God. The look Sadie's giving me right now. Keep going. No, like I no, seriously, finish your comment. I, I feel like a good portion of his films that I have okay. seen. Okay. Hit me in the face with this is, this is how you should be feeling about this that I'm showing you on the screen. And he's not the only one that I feel this way about, but it's like, I don't need to be told what to feel if you communicate it well enough. I'll, does that make sense? Like, I, I mean, this I, is going to spark I feel like, a longer conversation about Steven Spielberg films because I'm very curious. Like, what is it that you feel like he's making you over the head? Like, I will say, okay, Steven Spielberg, I will say, is like very nostalgic and very, um, I think in the majority of his films, very optimistic. And I can see how some people don't like that. Or they don't like maybe the... I don't know. That's a good point. Because we've already had a discussion about how I don't really have... Like, I don't feel nostalgia, really. Yeah. Like, that's not a feeling that I identify with very well. And I don't necessarily like that. Like, there's... I think I know why. And I don't necessarily like that I don't necessarily feel Mm -hmm. that gene. Mm -hmm. But I don't. And so, man, that's probably part of what it is. I just feel like it's almost hit over the head a little bit with like, this is what's going on and this is how you feel versus putting it out there and letting me come to that feel. Like, I already feel it. Like, I am am watching this film or I am reading this novel because I want to 
learn and understand and be in, you know, engaged in this and, and broaden my mind. So I'm already coming in it the way I should. You don't need to like hit me over the head with a hammer of it mm-hmm. to make sure I get it. Like, I agree with this, especially because I feel like half of what she's saying or talking about is like the importance of books and words and stories. And yeah. I'm like, we wouldn't be reading a book or a story if we didn't already kind of feel like that was important, especially when it's like a whopping like 650 pages, you know, like we wouldn't have gotten this far if we didn't already believe that. Yeah. I and disagree I, I with you about Steven Spielberg, are, but, okay. <laughs> but I agree with you can, about the book. <laughs> yeah. And I think we just like, that's, that's what it made me think of because I, I think books are super powerful. I mean, my God, like we do a podcast like about yeah books and reading like it is a huge it is something so important to me I love reading I love fiction in particular yeah and I think that books are so powerful because they're this long lasting and this is why like I'm a book snob about reading physical books which maybe I'm a hoarder because and it made me think of like just how important they are and this book brings that up and about the idea of like opening like I don't have any judgments towards people who say hoard but I don't think that much about why and how are they feeling and what causes that and what as a society Mm -hmm. can we do to help people that want help and when I read this it made me rethink about stuff like that again like to constantly be thinking and evolving and like changing your mind about other people in particular and about yourself I think is so important because we don't know shit yeah we know nothing and once you think you know something like like yeah. we always just need to be open to other people's experiences and I feel like yeah. books are such a great way to have that because like me living in my little Utah bubble mm. there's only so much that I can necessarily experience so a great way to experience it is through books and like yeah so it's hard for me because I'm like I'm already going into that for that to have that so I don't need you to like throw all this other shit at me like I'm gonna I, I'm gonna get it like yeah, the, the, the parts about this, because I really do think she makes some really good points about consumerism and poverty and mental health and loss and and really things that made me think. And I really appreciated the characters. And it definitely made me look at like continue to think about things that I haven't had to think about in my very fortunate life. Yeah. And so that part I really liked. So it just got a little frustrating. Where I was like, yes, I know. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I, mean? like, I agree. I agree. And I think because I think it's also. To me, it kind of shows almost anxiety from an author about, like, whether or not they even... It, it, it almost felt like having to convince herself or others that the work that she's doing is important. And I feel like yeah. you don't need to do that. And I think it's okay to have those questions and have those kind of debates and arguments in your head. I think that is good and, and healthy and um, keeps people grounded. But I think that this in this book it didn't really work for me because it's not done in a way that I think actually like sparks debate or conversation or really complex thought it's just kind of saying it's important rather than talking about maybe why or like how sometimes it's not the most important thing in the world I don't know like it made me think about um euphoria is a great example to me about how you can have characters talking and worrying and concerning themselves with like whether or not their occupation or their passions mm-hmm. matter. And yeah. it can be really interesting and it can be really um, eye-opening for me as a reader. But in this, because this it's so close to home in the sense of like, I again, like... I feel like we've said this over and over again, but like readers who are already sitting down to read a big book don't need to be explained to them why they need to be sitting down and reading books. Mm-hmm. Um, we get it. We're already doing it. That's why we're here. Yeah. And we wouldn't have made it 300 pages into this book if we needed to be told that. But like, I, it almost kind of feels like... um. There's this one chapter in it. It's like by 41, chapter 41, right before chapter 41, 285. And 
Um, it's talking about story. So what is a story before it becomes words? Bare experience. A Buddhist monk might answer pure presence. The sensation fleeting and ungraspable of being a boy or of losing a father. Um, and then it keeps going. And then it says, um, is that really all? We books would say no. That story is more than just a discarded byproduct of your bare experience. Story is its own bare experience. Fish swim in water, unaware that it is water. Birds fly in air, unaware that it is air. Story is the air that you people breathe, the ocean you swim in, and we books are the rocks along the shoreline that channel your currents and contain your tides. Books will always have the last word, even if nobody is around to read them. I think, like, on its own, I think that is a really great example of books and their purpose and their function in society. But, like, I also feel like that's the fifth time I read that kind of statement in this book yes that's why my the, the narrator of the book it comes across as a little like pontificating and condescending because yeah. it's like yes that is a very very true statement like that's what i mean about the hitting over the head with it like yeah and then and then and then and i like that chapter because then that's when um the bottle man takes benny down to the bindery yeah. And that's where he gets paper to start his own book. And then that's when, like, he recognizes the book starts talking to him, even though the book's been talking to us, like, this entire time. Yeah. And, and like, the bottleman's telling him, like, oh, the binderies in the library is, like, haunted. And, you know, you hear weird sounds. And Benny's, like, jazz. Because he has this connection to jazz because of his father being a jazz musician. And I love how music is talked about in this book. Mm-hmm. Like, both the conversations Benny has with his dad and Benny has with him is that like I like I said there's some really beautiful things and the bottle man says no the music is calypso and he says what's that and he says it's music from the Caribbean from African slaves who were brought in chains by the French back when black people were traded like things those were terrible terrible days and then he starts seeing Deo and he talks about you know Harry Belafonte and like there's some really nice like connections that he makes with like the historical implications that come from like things and who makes them Mm -hmm. and like you know again like we talked about it just briefly but the point she makes about consumerism in here and like where do things actually come from and you know what's behind them and you know I think that's that's what I think is interesting about the idea of things talking and like these objects having a voice is like and the hierarchy like almost like a social structure within that like she talks about the unmade versus the made and like mm -hmm. how in history it's gone back and forth between like how they're valued in society and we're reaching back to a point where the unmade is highly is more highly valued because um made objects now like yeah are so um just rampant you know it's just a lot and it's mostly made by machine and like not by necessarily like love and intention for everything um it's really interesting i again like yeah. yeah, and that's I mean, a concept that made me think about like, okay, what are the things, what do I buy? What are the things that I consume? And are they really, why, what attracts me to buying it? And why do I buy things? Because that's something I think about, like, because like, full disclosure, like I've noticed that I have, like, if I'm not feeling great, if I'm having like some issues or I'm feeling down or whatever, like sometimes buying things makes that feel better. Yeah. Right. And like, that's something I think about in myself of like, Why? why does it do that? And what am I purchasing? And what, what am I contributing to? You know, like it, yeah. we, I keep saying on the podcast, like go to your local bookstore. Like it's important to, like, I want to try to be a more careful consumer yeah. both in what am I purchasing and why am I purchasing? And that's not something that I'm anywhere near where I want to be with it, but it's important to me. And this book made me think about that even more. And I like that, but then I feel like it, it makes these points, but then it gets lost in too much of the, it just gets lost a little bit in there. And maybe that's the point. Maybe, maybe the fact that this book is so cluttered yeah. with things is in and of itself a genius way to structure the book. Cause it, it's right. like, that's part of the issue. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's almost like the book is this tome of hoarding because it's got all of this stuff in it it's like you have to kind of dig a little bit to really find and maybe this wouldn't uh maybe that that just bothers you and me maybe you know know what i think it's funny that you say that because like the book in itself is called the book of form and emptiness and in a way 
this book does feel empty because it's so cluttered. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot that I get out of it. I wouldn't say I wouldn't recommend it necessarily, but I'd almost felt, I almost feel like I would, I'd never want to read it again. And <laughs> I, <laughs> and also I feel like you could leave reading this book feeling, I mean, I haven't finished the book, so, but I could say you could leave reading the first two parts of this book feeling um, like you didn't necessarily get anything out of it because it's almost like you have to, You're. It's it's like begging for scraps because it's like everything's in there almost so much that it means nothing at the end. Yeah, there's almost, there's so much, but it's lacking substance. Yeah. But, but then again, like we said, like there are so many good things that it makes, it does make you think about. Like I really think about, um, when we talk about consumerism, but also the stigmatization of people who overconsume, but it's also encouraged to them to consume all the time in media Mm -hmm. and, and advertising and, um, Mm -hmm. like we're told to just consume, 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 but then we say, but you, you consume too much. And I think part of it is because she's a big person. And I think that made me really sad is like, I feel like she would be treated, Annabelle, I feel like she would be treated a lot differently if she had a space for all the items that she's consuming. And also if she was skinny, because nobody cares if you have a big appetite if you weigh less than 150 pounds. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how it's like this combination of her being overweight and she's described and it's like, it's not, it, it kind of just happens out of nowhere. It's like, I can it, never really get a handle doesn't. on how big she is. I can't really get a handle on it because it seems gradual yeah. at the beginning, but then it's like she's breaking chairs. So I'm confused. See, and that's the thing. Like, I don't like, and like it almost, and yeah, some scenes it makes it seem like it's something out of like what's eating Gilbert grape, yeah. you know, where like she can't even leave the house, but then, but then she is capable. That's the other thing too, is she comes across as so incapable and slovenly and like immature in some ways and just not able to handle life. But then when she needs to, she has these moments of like moments of brilliance and like does handle like, so it, mm-hmm. that's it. And that's where I get frustrated with how she writes ca- characters is I think the characters are really good characters. Benny, Kenji, Annabelle, Aleph, the bottleman, even like the library, like mm-hmm. the, do- and that's the thing. She, she starts to give us insight into them. Like she gives us a little bit of insight into like Benny's doctor. Yeah. Dr. Melanie, but then not enough to be like, to really invest in the character. So it's like, but they're not periphery. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, like it's always too much and not enough at the same time. Yeah. The, the kind of omniscience of the book I think is is kind of a problem because I think mm-hmm. either they needed to give us more of Dr. Melanie and what she's struggling with as yeah. as far as like emotional labor, you know, that that anybody who works in mental health care or in yeah. any kind of trauma based work has to deal with all the time and like we get a peek at at her exhaustion and her own kind of mental issues that she's experiencing at the same time um but we didn't get enough for it to feel like enough like yeah it's like right when I'm starting to feel like god she is a totally incompetent mental health professional and she is screwing this kid up and what else and then I just start to feel that way and then it's like oh well now they're starting to give us some insight as to her as a whole person and you know, it's, and then that goes away. So then it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know how to really feel like I can't really lock down my own feelings on some of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not be like, and it's good to feel like there's no black and white and all that. I just mean like, like I said, there's too much information and not enough information at the same time when it comes to like the I, characters. Yeah. And then there's so much other stuff that I feel like isn't needed 
And that's where I get frustrated. That's where it's this up and down. Cause there really are these moments where I'm like, Oh, I love this. I love how she's talking about this. And I love how this is being addressed. And I love this. She's got a nice dry wit. Yeah. And I love these interactions. Like I really loved how she writes the interactions between Kenji and Benny, like mm-hmm. when he's remembering things. And, and I really love, I loved Annabelle's backstory, the little bit she gives us. Like, so there's all these things that I think are so, but then it's like, there's not enough of that and too much of this other stuff that I don't need to, to really get stuff out of this book. Like we've already talked about it a little bit ad nauseum. I don't need the stuff about the Zen Buddhist monk. Yeah. I didn't need any of that. I yeah. like it took away from time that I feel like could have been devoted. Like if you're going to make this big of a book, like make it all count. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like there's, there's a skill to, to writing, to, to being brief and there's a skill to expanding. Yeah. Like, and I certainly don't have either, but I'm just saying like, I'm not a pop, I'm not trying to be a published author either. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Well, I just, like, yeah. Like, I think I would have been fine with the length of this novel if I, if she'd focused on the things that I wanted her to focus on, but she didn't. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, that's why it's kind of hard to get through. And, um, although it's, it's easy to read and I do think it like, I don't know. Again, I like, I, I mean, I haven't finished it yet, so I don't know if I'll say for sure if I'd like would or would not recommend this book. But right now I would say sure, but with like a warning at the beginning, <laughs> like, like it, uh, it's not a bad book. It's just as frustrating maybe as like the very story is trying to tell it's it's very it's very weird to me this is a weird book yeah it's hard to really get my grasp on it because like just when I feel like I'm starting to not like it I'm like no but I did like this and this and like there are things that I about it that I think are really good and new and fresh like I've certainly never read a book like this before yeah yeah that's for sure it's certainly unique and I think we've had some like even just in this discussion that we've had so far and we're only discussing two parts of the book you know Mm -hmm. uh I think it's really brought up some good things to think about and talk about. And it's made me really, you know, do some deep dives into what I do as a person and how I feel and think about things. And it's made me want to be more conscientious about, you know, my interactions in the world with, with people, with people that are different than myself, which is always a good side effect of, of anything. But like, yeah, one thing I actually did like about this, um, maybe just like the last topic that I will say that I liked about it for this episode is I liked this um, attention that was paid to the the undesirables of society, which I hate saying that because it makes me sad, but like the homeless people, the people who... um, are addicts who are living on the streets, who live on public transportation, and who live at the mm-hmm. library during the day. Yeah. And I have a friend or coworker, I should say, that used to work at a library. And I asked her why she left, and she was like, it was just overrun. And like, and she was talking about homeless people. And mm-hmm. It really made me think about, like, what we can and should be doing about, like, making spaces for people and um, the responsibility that, like, these public spaces have to these people and, like, how it's not that they have every right to be there as anybody else. And mm-hmm. um, that's something that I did like like about this, that it's like, okay, yeah, maybe it's scary and uncomfortable because you've never interacted with these kinds of people before and you're kind of told that they're scary. Um, well, and I think we're told that if you're homeless, it's it's some fault of your own. Yeah. Right? Like, like it's this myth that we tell that like, which I think it brings up interesting. The point is Annabelle's almost at the point of homelessness yes. a couple times. Yes. Like her neighbor's son wants to evict her because of her hoarding, which... Also, as someone who's like been in property management, it's hard to handle with that because yeah. then you've got to like, you know, there are 
there are issues that can come from it, like structurally and health wise. And, you know, like it's, it's an interesting concept of like when, when to impose that kind of structure and order on people and how, and how Mm -hmm. is that allowed and why? And like, you know, why shouldn't she be able to have whatever she wants in her house and however she wants it? Well, but it needs to be a good, healthy place for her son. Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's obviously not healthy, but like, who is he to like almost evict her? Mm -hmm. And she's almost on the point of homelessness. But like we, we do, I think we have this myth that if you're homeless, it's your fault. Mm -hmm. If you're addicted to drugs, it's your fault. If you, you know, whatever, whatever the issue is, if it's something that we don't want to see or we don't want to deal with, or it makes us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. It's easy to put that on other people and to put it, it's like, it's your fault that you're like this, you know? Right. Well, it kind of like mental illness, you know, it's like a lot of times like, well, anybody can be homeless. And I do think that like, I like that this story again, pays attention to the, that community and shows people on the brink of being a part of that community and kind of normalizing them a little bit um, as far as like they can be kind and sweet and just people just like any other person and they're just dealing with their own shit and they don't need to deal with being um, like ignored you know like I I think um, a lot of people look at the homeless community as the group of people that are doing the crimes or that are dangerous but in truth like they are the victims of those crimes more often than not and i like that this book paid attention and i think that it made me feel empathy and it made me think about my community and it made me think about like where do they go during the day like what are they supposed to be doing and a lot of times it is these like public spaces which also like shows again even more the importance of having these public spaces and public shelters and places for people to be and have a right to be at and sit and that's what like libraries are good for more than just one thing and I think that this is something that I really appreciated about this book yeah no it's definitely thought-provoking which is good and I think it it's an interesting story so far mm-hmm. I mean I finished it but like it's it's an interesting story I think the characters I think that's where I got frustrated it's like I want to know more like I want more mm-hmm. of these important things and I want less of the Marie Kondo ripoff and the yeah description of the person who is obviously modeled after you in the library who's yeah. really not serving a purpose to me like there just seemed to be some stuff that was empty yeah you know like yeah. it just didn't and so maybe that's all tongue in cheek and we're railing against something that was intentional. Like maybe who knows, yeah. which so that's the case genius, but like it, it definitely was, there were definitely some challenging parts and it really was like a roller coaster reading this book, which is, which is good. You know, I mean, I mean, it made, it made us feel things and like, I guess I would like, even if it's frustration, um, like I think it's better it, than apathy. Yeah, it's better than being completely like eh, whatever about the book. Like I, I think I'd rather have an angry reaction sometimes to something or frustration um, than if just not caring at all about it. So yeah. that's something I appreciated. But we'll get more into it when we finish the book and we yeah. discuss the rest of the novel, which is about a little bit less than half of the book yeah so if you haven't already get going it's gonna take you a little bit of time (laughs) take your time but um it definitely brings up some good discussions so i'm I'm glad this was a pick like this wasn't like a this was not the maidens by any (laughs) shape or form um far from it so it definitely was an interesting book so far i'm 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 glad we've read it. Me too. Like I said, I, I don't know if I'd recommend it or if I'd want to read it again, but I'm glad we have read it. It was, it's been a good use of brain power. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, so get going. And then also the next book we'll be discussing is Sula by Toni Morrison. Um, big shift in tone from this one. So, um, go pick up a copy of that, uh, from your local bookstore or library. Um, Yeah. Cool. I think that's it. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up before we closed on this episode? No, I think we covered everything. All right. Um, thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.